Good morning, everyone. So grateful that you are joining us from wherever you are quarantined in the world. We're glad that you're here. And I uh, want you to do me a favor. Make sure that you have a Bible and a journal. And uh, go ahead and get a refill on your coffee or tea or whatever you're drinking this morning. Uh, but we normally sing a, uh, a song that joins us together. We're not able to shake hands and high five and give hugs like normal. But we still want to sing this song because at Cross Community Church, we believe that there's a place for you and that you belong here. And this song reminds us of that. And so we're going to sing this. Uh, well, I'm going to sing it here and you're going to sing it in your home. But it goes like this. Hallelujah. I belong here in his presence, safe and secure. I see hope. If this is your first time with us today, we want you to know you belong here. We're going to enter into a time where we've pre-recorded our scripture readings. We are in a season of Lent, and what we call what we do in this season is we are making this more of a retreat setting. So we have let music as the primary form of worship uh, be set aside for this season. So we have this week and next week left before we celebrate again. But we are going to uh, read some scriptures and then you'll have time to journal. So this is not complicated. This is not a right or wrong answer type of thing. But as the readings are happening, if a phrase or a word or a thought kind of jumps out at you from the scripture reading, go ahead and write that down in your journal. And then when we get to our five minutes of listening for God, um, just write a little bit about what you're thinking. God, why did this connect to me? Think about what you're going through right now. Think about your work, your family, your quarantine, this virus, all these things. And just write what you're thinking about. And it's okay. There's no right or wrong. But we're going to enter into this time. This is a way for us to learn how to let the Scriptures speak to us in our everyday life. So in just a moment, you're going to open your Bibles. Uh, there's going to be a slide that tells you all three of the Scripture references that we're going to be uh, looking at. So you'll want to write those down really quick. Open your Bible. If you don't know how to use your Bible, go ahead and you can look at the table of contents at the beginning. There's no shame in that. Uh, find your way to those Scripture passages and then you read along with the person who will be reading with you. So thanks for being here, and we'll see you when it's time for our teaching moment. Have a great, great morning. Hey everyone, welcome to our Palm Sunday edition of our watch party at Cross Community Church. 
We're glad that you've made it here to the last Sunday of Lent, and I hope that you have your Bible ready and your journal ready as we begin our dive into Scripture. If this is the first Sunday that you're joining our watch party, we have been doing something different. We have let music go by the wayside for the last six weeks, and we have been more intent on reading the Bible and letting God speak to us out of the Scripture. We've called it our all-church retreat. It's more of a retreat setting, uh, and we're spending intentional time in the Word. So you'll want to open your Bible and get ready to read, and here's what we've been doing. You open your journal and your Bible, and as you read along with the reader, when something jumps off the page at you, it catches your heart or your curiosity, you write that word or phrase down in your journal. And then you're going to pause the video for about three to five minutes and just take some time, talk to God about why that word or phrase jumped off the page at you. Then begin to write, write how it connects to your life. And you may find that God says something to you in that phrase, in what you are writing. And I think you'll find that the Bible still speaks to us today. God uses the Bible to teach us and help us in our everyday lives. So we've been doing that. You're going to do that with three or four scriptures. Later on, we'll meet up together live for prayer, for offering, and for our last message in the book of Ecclesiastes. I'm so glad that you've joined us on, these, on this journey. If we're allowed, we will be meeting on Good Friday, and I want to encourage you to be a part of that in person if we can. If not, we will have one more watch party before Easter Sunday. I hope that you'll join us and plan to celebrate resurrection. It's going to be a great day. But let's lean in and be a part of this watch party and see what God does as he teaches us through his word. Have a great, great day.
we had a little technical difficulty and you were seeing a preview of next week's videos, but that's okay. We can go live. And so if you have your Bibles, you're going to want to turn to these scripture references. The first one will be Ezekiel 37 verses 1 through 14. That's Ezekiel 37 verses 1 through 14. Our second reading will come from Romans 8. 6 through 11. And our last one will be the Gospel of John, chapter 11, verses 1 through 45. So go ahead and find your way to those passages. We'll still uh, have our retreat time. We just had a little technical difficulty. And so let's go ahead and read Ezekiel, chapter 37, verses 1 through 14. You're going to find in all of these scriptures today, There is what seems like death or a lot of talk about death and what God does to bring new life. So let's start with uh, Ezekiel chapter 37 beginning at verse 1. The hand of the Lord was on me and He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones, I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you and you will live. And I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken. And I have done it, declares the Lord. Let's take a few moments to listen to what God has to say to us from this passage.
Okay, we'll move on to our second reading, which is found in Romans chapter 8, and we'll begin at verse 6. Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 6. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's laws, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. Let's take some more time to listen to God and to journal.
And now we'll move on to our gospel reading, and that is a reading from John's gospel begin in chapter 11, beginning at verse 1. That's the gospel of John, chapter 11, beginning at verse 1. And typically we stand in honor and reverence of the gospel, and so if you'd like to do that in your home, you can, but let's hear the good news, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ according to John Chapter 11, beginning at verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, It is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews were there, tried to stone you, and you are going back? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go up to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we might die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who has come into the world. After she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. 
When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw Him, she fell at His feet and said, Lord, if You had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, He was deeply moved in His spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. When the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take, this, take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he has been in there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take the grave clothes off of him and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in Him. This is the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ for the people of God. And our response is, thanks be to God. Let us listen and journal.
And as we prepare our hearts for prayer, we've been reading the psalm uh, for this week. And this week's psalm is a cry out of the depths. So we've had a lot of passages around surrounding death. And, and so this psalm just ties right in so beautifully. So let's quiet our heart and you can just hear this psalm being read. If you'd like to join me, you can at Psalm 130. But let's just let it be read to us and wash over us and prepare our hearts for prayer. Out of the depths I cry to You, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let Your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If You, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with You, there is forgiveness so that we can with reverence serve You. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in His Word, I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord. For with the Lord is unfailing love. And with Him is full redemption. He Himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer. And I invite you specifically to remember, as we have been doing every night at 7 o'clock, those who are putting their lives at risk so that we can stay home in our quarantine places. So let's bring them to mind. Maybe you know someone specifically. And so I'm going to start the prayer and then give us a moment of silence to remember the names. And you say them out loud in your home where you are. God, remember and put their name in there. Uh, Someone who is serving in the medical field. Someone who is a first responder. Someone who is a scientist. uh, Someone who is keeping our grocery stores open. Keeping our utilities going. Delivering our mail and our packages Let's remember these people as we go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank You that we can gather in our homes. We are reminded this week what a miracle this is. That we can be in our homes all around the world, literally. And yet join together today as one family to worship You, to praise You, to hear Your Scriptures read, to together go on this retreat, to learn from Your Scriptures and to hear a message proclaimed. So Father, we just say thank You right at the beginning. We say thank You for this miracle of technology. And we pray... God, that You would use this to bring new people into our faith community. That they would hear good news. That they would want to be a part. When the doors can be opened back up, we pray that they would make their way here and they would be greeted and they would know that they belong here with us and with You together. Father, our hearts are heavy. We have been so scared this week. 
so nervous about this virus and where it is in the world and what's happening and and all the ways that that fear is manifesting itself in our lives. And so we want to take a moment to pause and we want to remember those among us, those we know specifically, who are putting themselves in harm's way so that we can stay at home safe and sound. So we're going to take a moment of silence and we're going to remember those names and those people right now. Father, on my heart, you have laid Jeff and Melissa Radowski, two of our congregation members who serve in the medical field. Protect them and bless them as they put themselves in harm's way that we might stay at home. God, we pray for all those who are sick, both with the virus and with other forms of illness. We pray your healing touch would be upon them. We pray that You would comfort those families who are dealing with the loss of a loved one right now today. God, we specifically remember Barb Morris and and her family and the loss of her six-year-old grandson. Father, we can't imagine the pain and suffering that mom and dad are going through. Bless them. Comfort them. Help them, give them the strength they need to make it through these next few days and weeks and months and years. Help them and may they just sense that You are near and with them. That You, Lord Jesus, who wept at the tomb of Your friend, is there weeping with them. Comfort them, we pray. For those who have lost work this week and because of this virus, God, we pray that You would comfort them and help them. May we as a church body help them and reach out to them by continuing to bring in our food pantries uh, items and be able to help them, help those who are here in our neighborhood. God, we pray for our churches around the world, all denominations, That this would be a time for us to rise up, not in fear, but in the love and strength and power of the Spirit. To do what is necessary to help and to show love and compassion to those You have called us to. Father, we're now going to worship You through giving our tithes and offerings. In this uncertain time, probably the greatest act of faith is to continue to give to say to you and to ourselves and to those around us, I am not going to trust my bank account for life. I'm going to trust Jesus, the only one who can truly give life. So help us to give and to give generously. As we hear the Word opened up to us today, may it touch our hearts. May it cause us to trust you more, Lord Jesus. For it is in Your name that we pray and ask all of these things. And we all said together in our homes, Amen. Let it be. Let it be. Amen.
Well, now we're going to take an opportunity to give. And this is new. We can't pass the plates. And so there are a few things that you need to do. I would love for you, wherever you are in the world, uh, to let us know that you're watching. It helps us keep track of of what's going on. Uh, there will be a connect card coming to your email if you have given us your information. Fill that out and send it back to us. It just helps us. If not, take a snapshot of who your crew is meeting in your home today and uh, post that online. It helps us. We'll see that and we'll be able to count and know who's there. But we can't pass the plates and so there are a few ways that you can give. If you're not tech tech savvy, you can mail a check online and that is at 5625 Oakland Drive in Portage, Michigan and the area code is 49024. We'll put that up at the end of the service so you'll be able to write that down. The other way is to go online at c3naz.net. That's c the number 3 naz Dot net and then go to online giving and you should see the drop down menu and you can walk yourself through that and give online this giving goes towards our local communities it goes and helps uh, missionaries in over 150 world areas it helps with students and scholarships to keep the costs down at our university Olivet Nazarene University in Bourbonnais Illinois there are so many ways that this giving helps and I want to say last week we met our giving goal and so thank you for giving online and trying these new ways. Thank you and may God bless you as you give. We'll give you a few minutes to give. Thank you for all of that. And we are so glad that you're with us. I invite you to take your Bible once again. And we're going to continue our teaching series in Ecclesiastes. So I invite you to open your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Ecclesiastes chapter 9. And we are going to begin at uh, verse 1. So Ecclesiastes chapter 9, beginning at verse 1. Now... Before we read, I feel like I want to jump in here because I don't know if you remember way back at Ash Wednesday, we talked about fasting and how fasting naturally, normally creates hunger within us. So if you fast from food, after a while, you begin to get a great, great hunger. That's just the way things worked. And we talked about that in a lot of different ways on Ash Wednesday. Things that we could fast from that would create a good hunger within us. A hunger for what God has for us. I just want to say, in studying and diving deep in Ecclesiastes, this this book of the Bible that's difficult to read and, and really kind of a wet blanket on our expectations around life, I am beginning to really hunger for good news. So in a couple of weeks, we'll have some good news. 
Not that we are not getting anything out of this teaching, but I want you to know this is a really difficult passage. It kind of goes along with some of our other scripture readings about death. But I want us, I want you to know I really wrestled with this this week. Because this is hard. I want to give you hope. You've, you've been cooped up in your homes and you're wondering about a virus and you wonder if you're taking your life into your hands just going to the grocery store, getting a coffee through a drive-through. And yet now I've got to talk to you from Ecclesiastes chapter 9. So please know and hang in here. I think there are some good things that, that God is going to bring out of this teaching, but it is a difficult teaching. So with that, let's hear from the Word of the Lord in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, beginning at verse 1. The teacher, or Kohelet, says, So I reflected on all this and concluded that the righteous and the wise and what they do are in God's hands. But no one knows whether love or hate awaits them. All share a common destiny. The righteous and the wicked, the good and the bad, the clean and the unclean, those who offer sacrifices and those who do not. As it is with the good, so with the sinful. As it is with those who take oaths, so with those who are afraid to take them. This is the evil in everything that appears under the sun. The same destiny overtakes all. The hearts of people, moreover, are full of evil, and there is madness in their hearts while they live, and afterward they join the dead. Anyone who is among the living has hope. Even a live dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no further reward. And even their name is forgotten. Their love, their hate, and their jealousy have long since vanished. Never again will they have a part in anything that happens under the sun. Go. Eat your food with gladness. And drink your wine with a joyful heart. For God has already approved what you do. Always be clothed in white and always anoint your head with oil. Enjoy life with your spouse whom you love. All the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun. All your meaningless days. For this is your lot in life and in your toilsome labor under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For in the realm of the dead where you are going, there is neither working, nor planning, nor knowledge, nor wisdom. The word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. And our response is, thanks be to God. It's really hard to say thanks be to God for this kind of teaching. But I want us to jump in. So if you're new with us, I'm going to review just a, a brief portion of this because I think it's going to help us as to understand this difficult teaching. Remember, we are in the wisdom literature and we have Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and Job. And Proverbs tells us a lot. It's more of the positive side. Do this and it's wise and, and you will show that you fear and love God. Don't do this because that will show you that you're foolish. Job says... Well, even sometimes if you do all the wise things, that doesn't mean that life doesn't include suffering. 
And Ecclesiastes tries to bridge that gap and bring them together. And all of these three together, all sides, all three sides, bring us wisdom according to Scripture. Now, there's a a word that is used often. In fact, in our passage today, it's used a couple of times. Um, In your Bible, it says meaningless. In some of your translations, it will say vanity. But the real Hebrew word there is the word hevel. So go ahead and say that word in your home. Uh, We want you to learn these words. That's the word hevel. Ready? One, two, three. Hevel. I hope you said it where you are. And what that word really means is not meaningless like life has no point. And it's not vanity like life is all about self-obsession. It is the word hevel, which means vapor or smoke. In other words, it looks like you can grab onto smoke, but every time you grab it, as soon as you close your hands, it's gone. It shows that it's temporary, just like smoke. It goes up for a while, it looks like it could be permanent, and then the nearest breeze comes by and blows it away and it is gone. And it's also like smoke or vapor because too much of that hevel, and it clouds your way. You've, you've probably experienced that in this season where when the snow is melting and it gets a little warmer and there's, there's too much vapor in the air, we call that fog and it makes it difficult to see. It makes things a little bit mysterious. And so the teacher has been showing us all the ways that life is hevel. It's like vapor. It's mysterious. It's temporary. The good things that I want to bring meaning into my life, I go and grab them and They're gone. They seem to slip right through my fingers. Now, he uses three things to kind of show us the hevel of life. One of those things is just the solid march of time. Time just continues to march on. He talks to us about, yeah, look at that person. They've they've built great cities, but I'm going to draw your attention to the mountain. That mountain was there before that building of that city, and that mountain will be there long after that city is gone. And no one will remember the city, and no one will remember the people who live in there, but that mountain will stay. So your life is really temporary. It's Hevel. He also then uses life's randomness. Boy, have we experienced life's randomness over the last few weeks. I mean, think about it. I I watched a video of someone who came down and and thankfully uh, was healed of the COVID-19 virus. But they were in a cabin on a cruise ship and he came down with it. But his wife, who stayed in the same tiny cabin with him, didn't get it. Life is random. It is hevel. It seems to be able to be something solid we can grab, but when we grab for it, it's gone. And then the third thing that the teacher uses is the thing that we're seeing in our teaching predominantly today, and that is death. That death ultimately makes all the things that we strive after to try and bring meaning into our life that is not about God. It renders it vapor, smoke, something we grab onto, but then it's gone as soon as we think we have it. So remember now, the purpose of this book, the purpose of the teaching, the purpose of Ecclesiastes is to help us take off our rose-colored glasses and cause us to look at life as it really is, not life as we would like it to be. 
That's the difficulty. It's hard. We don't want to do that. We've become adjusted to life with those rose-colored glasses. But Ecclesiastes wants to teach us by showing us life as it really is. So let's look a little deeper at, at Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Look at verse 1 where it says, So I reflected on all of this and concluded that the righteous and the wise and what they do are in God's hands. But no one knows whether love or hate awaits them. Ecclesiastes, I want to say right off the bat, even though we're talking a lot about death, Ecclesiastes is not concerned with the afterlife. This is not a message about heaven or hell or what happens after we take our last breath. Ecclesiastes, this teacher, is concerned only about what is happening under the sun. What you can view, what you can see. Um, the Kohelet is only certain, and Kohelet means teacher, is only certain that we all die. And that's why he says, the good, the righteous, the wise, all of their behaviors, all of their actions, they're in God's hands. But he, he knows they die, but he doesn't want to say, I can't for sure know love or hate awaits them. This kind of is smacking against the wisdom of Proverbs that says, do this and you'll get good. Do the good thing and you'll get good. Do the foolish thing and, and, and it will lead to death. And he smacks in this. He says, how can we know that for sure? We've got all of this going on. All we can be sure of is that both the good and the bad, their lives end with death. Move on to verse 2. He says, all share a common destiny. The righteous and the wicked, the good and the bad, the clean and the unclean, those who offer sacrifices and those who do not. As it is with the good, so with the sinful. As it is with those who take oaths, so with those who are afraid to take them. He says all share a common problem. And he wants to cover all the different situations to show that they're all hevel. So some of his examples are moral examples. The righteous and the wicked. The, the ones who sacrifice and those who don't. The good and the sinful. He, he's looking at the moral examples. And he says, even those, all of those, they end in death. He looks at all the social situations. He says the good, the bad, and I'm sure he would include the ugly too. He says, look at those. He looks at the clean and the unclean. That's a, a metaphor, a way of saying the Jew and the non-Jew. The ones who uh, are Jewish and, and, and live in that social structure and the Gentiles, the non-Jews who live outside of the social structure set up by the Scripture. He says, even those social things that we cling to that bring meaning to my life, both groups end in death. And then the religious, again, that good and the bad, the ones who sacrifice and the ones who don't, the good and the sinful, the ones who make oaths and those who don't, the ones who participate in religion and those who don't, even that, that's so hard to hear. That even those two groups share a common destiny. Have you noticed how with the threat of this virus around the world, we have somewhat come to see this common threat. 
And in some ways, I've been seeing little bits of unity as we begin to realize this. Because we know the truth of this verse, that we all share a common problem. Let's move on to verse 3. This is the evil in everything that happens under the sun. The same destiny overtakes all. The hearts of people, moreover, are full of evil, and there is a madness in their hearts while they live. And afterward, they join the dead. I felt like this this just didn't seem to hit me right. I don't know about you, but to say the evil that happens in everything under the sun? I mean, didn't God create everything under the sun? And yes, people can can act terribly and and they can seem to be mad in some ways in their hearts while they live. So what does this verse mean? What does it actually mean? It was helpful for me as I read a commentary by Dr. David Allen Hubbard, who was the president of my seminary, Fuller Theological Seminary. He wrote in his commentary on this verse that it is neither an act of blasphemy nor a doctrinal paper on original sin. But this verse is a bleak and painful reminder of the toll that the fear of death takes on human happiness. And when I read that, I felt, yes, that has been what has been on our minds as, a hum- as human beings, as humanity, during this crisis. It has been so present. The toll that this virus has taken on our happiness in life because we are confronted by the common problem that we have. It has taken off the rose-colored glasses and shown us how fragile life really is. And we have to sit with that for just a little bit. We have to wrestle with that for just a little bit. We have to cry out to God like the psalmist did in the midst of this. But hold on. The teacher doesn't want us to fully despair. He's not just trying to take us down into the pit to leave us. So verse 4 begins to change just a little bit. He's not going to take us all the way out, but he wants us to not completely despair. So verse 4 says, But anyone who is among the living has hope. Even a live dog is better than a dead lion. The teacher uses the truth about death to show us the greatness of life. You may want to write that down. That the teacher, the one who has written this wisdom passage, uses the truth about death to show us the true greatness about life. It's kind of like a near-death experience. If you've ever had one of those, I remember after the car accident that I had back in 1999, uh, you know, life was rough for a while. Uh, and after I, w- I had been healed and a lot of chiropractic appointments and medication and all of those kinds of things that happened. But after that, there were moments in life after you've been through one of those experiences where you just, it hits you as you're eating a meal, as you're with someone, that you're alive and you almost weren't. It is, it is like that for the teacher. He is wanting to use the truth of death to show us the greatness of life. We usually see these, these things in movies around Christmas time. I know we're heading into Easter, but Ebenezer Scrooge, who, who sees his, his own gravestone and he wakes up with the joy of life all over him. 
Or it's a wonderful life where everything is taken from him because he was never born. And then he wakes and, and he's back in life and everybody remembers him and the joy and the celebration that happens. The teacher is using the truth of death to show us the true greatness of life. And it's as if he's calling us and wanting us to choose life always. He uses a silly thing to us. Even a live dog is better than a dead lion. He's really doing a little bit of social commentary. Because see, dogs were really low down on the animal totem pole. They were kind of the worst of the worst. They weren't our, our, they weren't pets back then. They were things that you avoided. And the lion was the, the king of the, the jungle, the king of beasts, even back then. But he says, when death comes, and when there's life involved, a dog who's alive is better than a lion that is dead. So we should choose life. And choose it always. That's why we're not meeting here in this sanctuary. Why you're in your homes. Because we as a church are choosing life, not death. And we want you to be as safe as you can in this moment. Verses 5 and 6 I won't read, but they, they show us what is lost in death and why life is so much greater. Uh, it shows that we lose the experience of things because the death, the dead know nothing. We lose all the feelings we have, the good, the bad, the jealous, the, the hatred, the, the joy that we have. You even lose your own name. It is forgotten. So, you may be asking, How do we live life even in the fear of death? This common enemy of us all. How do we live life knowing that death will come? Well, I know that right now you're probably expecting me to give you a talk about Jesus and how Jesus was resurrected from the dead. And because Jesus went through death, He will meet us there. And we will enter into new life and resurrection life. I know that's where you want me to go. I know that's what you're expecting. And we believe those things. I believe those things. We will celebrate those things two weeks from today. But I want us to know that Ecclesiastes is not trying to teach us this part of faith yet. So hang in there. Stay with the teaching. I want to be faithful to this portion of God's Word. I want to be faithful to what this passage of Scripture has to say to your life and to my life. Hang in there. We'll get to resurrection in a couple of weeks. Today, there are some pretty simple commands that the teacher gives us in verses 7 through 10. And each one of these is a command. This is not a suggestion. The teacher isn't just, well, if you'd like to, if you feel like it, if you can get out of the depression I've just sent you into by talking about all of this death, this is what you might want to do. No, these are commands. These are in the imperative tense. It says, go. So are you ready to go? Because what he says to do is go and eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with joy in your heart. And he reminds us because God has approved of what you do. So in the midst of death, in the midst of all this that that is our common enemy that could be there, we're trying to choose life. How do we choose life? I go and I eat food with gladness in my heart. 
I drink wine with a joyful heart and knowing that God approved of this. Wow. Brings us right back into, into the life that we are given right in this moment. He goes on and he uses something that's kind of strange for us. Always be clothed in white and always anoint your head with oil. He is taking us into one of the most joyous celebrations of the Hebrew times. And that would be of a wedding where the clothes would be new. They wouldn't have been worn out to, to you know, harvest in the field or to plow the field or to tend animals. It would be pure white and it's a celebration of joy. And they would anoint the heads of, of the bridegroom and the, and the bride. And they would, they would just be in this moment of joy joy the teacher says just like that eat your food drink wine be joyous enjoy the clothes you have and realize god is with you in that moment he goes on and he says enjoy your spouse after one week of quarantine husbands wives are you enjoying your spouse I hope so. Because the Word of God tells us, commands us, enjoy your spouse. Even in this heavy life, this vapor-filled, smoke-filled life, enjoy the spouse that you love. I just keep thinking about all the babies that I'm going to dedicate in December or January. It's going to be a beautiful thing that could come out of this. He goes on. And he says, work whatever is in your hand. Work, he commands us, work with all your might. Because this is what we are called to do. To do all of these things, these very human things, these very things of just everyday life. Yes, this is how we live life in the presence of death. It's as if the teacher has taken this whole thing to show us that life is a gift. Don't waste it. And you know, as Christians, we should know this better than anyone. Because we not only have the life that's given both by eating and drinking and and our families and our work that we do, but we have been given eternal life that begins right now. The hope that when this body stops breathing, the life that I have been given in Jesus will help me continue on for all eternity. We should be the most joyous people on the planet. It's too bad that we're not known for that. That we take even the celebrations sometimes and make them into rituals and make them into somber dirges. And we're always looking, oh, don't do that. No, don't. And we try and make all of this into something that we work ourselves up into. And the teacher reminds us, you've been given life. And if you're a Christian, you've been given life eternal through Jesus. We ought to be the most joyous people in the world. And you would think that the meal that Jesus gave us would remind us of this. I want you to think about the example of communion. Jesus says and uses bread and wine. Think about the goodness of the food and drink that you will have here in just a moment. If you haven't gotten your bread and your juice ready, go ahead and do that now. Find a piece of bread in the home. Find some juice. It's okay. You can listen from the distance as you run back and get this. We're going to take communion together. 
but bread and wine. It is goodness. It sustains life. But it comes with a little bit of death. The wheat has to die. It has to be ground. It has to be baked with fire and heat. So there's a little bit of death in order to bring life to you. The juice, that fruit, whatever it is, it has all this life packed into it and it's going to bring life and joy to you and yet it has to be taken off, it has to die, it has to be crushed, it has to be pressed into juice in order for it to happen. Jesus in this, in this meal that He gives us says, this is my body. So Jesus is in the midst of that death that's going to bring life to us through His grace and mercy in that bread and in that juice. And then He says, take it and eat it. Take it and drink it. He is saying to us over and over and over, life is a gift and I have given it to you. Share it with those that you love. Eat your food with gladness in your heart. Drink your wine with joy in your heart. Enjoy the family that you have around it. Life is precious. Use it often. Don't waste it. Continue to use it. So I'm going to invite you to take your bread and your juice. I have some here. This meal used to not be so somber. In fact, they called it a love feast and they would eat and they would drink together as a church body. It was also called the Eucharist, which is just the Greek word for giving thanks. I'm so thankful for life that comes in the midst of the death that had to happen for me to have this. And they would remember the great sacrifice of Jesus who was righteous and yet still experienced death so that we could experience life. And so take the bread and pass it around. Or if you're being very quarantine careful, everybody have your own. Hold that bread for just a moment. For on the night that Jesus was betrayed, He took bread. He gave thanks for it and blessed it and He broke it and He gave it to His disciples. And He said, This is My body broken for you. Take and eat with gladness in your heart. Let us take and eat together. On that same night, He took the cup that was filled with juice, that had life for us, that had to have experience a little death that we might have life. And so he said, this is my blood shed for you, preserves you blameless unto eternal life. Take and drink with joy in your heart. Let us receive. Let us pray. Father, this difficult teaching has helped us to understand what a gift life is. So thank You. Thank You for 
what you have approved of us, approved of in us and in our lives. May we take this teaching on death and may it wake us up to the life that is all around us and the food that you provide and the drink that brings joy in our families that bring joy to us. Help us to enjoy these moments during this quarantine time. This place where we can pause and just be together in real life. Help us to enjoy that. And then help us to take advantage of the eternal life that comes through Your Son, Jesus Christ. We are grateful that He was willing to be crushed for our sins, to be bruised for our iniquities. And through His stripes, we can be healed. And we can experience life to the full here and now. Help us to hear the words of the Teacher. To live as You have called us. To work to eat, to drink, to be in relationship. Help us, Father. Send Your Spirit into our homes that we might live into the life that You approved of for us. For it's in the name of the Father and the Son and the Spirit that we ask all of these things. And everyone said, Amen. Well, I always end the service with a blessing. It's my favorite part to be able to bless you and to think today I get to bless people maybe literally around the world. I want to give this blessing, but before you finish your church time, take a photo and post it so we know where you are and that you were with us. And I can know where this blessing goes out to. And now, my brothers and my sisters, may you... Know that life is precious. The eating, the drinking, the relationships, the work, all of it is something God has approved of. I pray you will find the joy of that. I pray that you will live into God's peace that comes as you eat food, drink wine, work and enjoy your families. I pray that God will bless you in all that you do. I pray He will keep you safe in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Quarantine this week in peace and wash your hands. Have a great, great afternoon. God bless you.